In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps a $5 minimum balance required. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Buck's Beat. This is episode number 91, and it's good to be back after a break during the holidays. We appreciate you tuning in. Coming up in a few minutes, Cole Kubelik joins me. We'll talk about the Alabama hire of Kalen DeBoer. Cole, some of you might know, college football analyst for ESPN, SEC Network, and a sports talk host in Birmingham on jocks with Greg McElroy. Also, Cole, a former Auburn center and team captain. Looking forward to having him on. So, Nick Saban is gone, retired, stepping away from the demands of being a college football head coach at 72 years old, admitting that he is unable to keep up with the daily grind, 18-hour workdays, year-round recruiting, dealing with the transfer portal, handling all those NIL deals, staying on top, a lot of pressure there. I'm going to miss Coach Saban a few times uh, that I've had a chance to spend time with him uh, one-on-one. I found Coach Saban to be, number one, easy to talk with, to a really genuine guy, classy dude, and not one of those big ego types that you run into among these big-time head coaches. Uh, The last time I... I was able to hang out with Coach. Uh, Coach Saban was was telling me an old Vince Dooley story I thought I'd share with you right now. Coach Saban had just taken over at LSU, becoming the Bengal Tigers head coach. And he had Coach Dooley's son, Derek, on the coaching staff. And Coach Saban told Derek, why don't you invite your dad to come out to practice So uh, he could pick his brain on what his thoughts were on the new LSU practice setup. So uh, that's what Derek did. He invited his dad uh, to come on down to practice. So Coach Dooley made the trip to Baton Rouge, came out to the first day of LSU spring practice, pulled his car up next to the practice field. It was on a single row uh, asphalt strip right by the practice field. And Coach Dooley sat on the hood of his car as practice got underway. So it turned out the offensive line space was in that spot on the practice field. And then at the end of practice, Coach Saban immediately went over to Coach Dooley and and asked Vince for some insight into what he saw during practice. And He said, Coach Dooley told him immediately, he said, well, the first thing you need to do is move that offensive line to the far side of the field. And Coach Saban said, well, why? And Coach Dooley said, because your offensive line coach has the filthiest mouth I've ever heard. And it's going to be a bad look for you for anybody else that visits your practice with the offensive language that I had to sit there and listen to. It's going to be bad public relations. For anyone attending practice, they're going to be offended. So (laughs) Coach Saban 
Immediately, uh, practice number two, that offensive line was on the far, they're on the way far side of the practice field, away from that parking lot. And uh, Coach Saban got a, got a big kick out of that. You know, I wonder what Kalen DeBoer uh, knew what he was getting into when he took the job last week. I'm sure he was initially excited to hear Dan Lanning would stay at Oregon. And he was excited when he got that call from the Alabama AD. But you know what? I wonder what he's thinking right now because there's a mass exodus going on at Alabama. Players leaving the program in mass. I mean, it, it looks like the U.S.-Mexican border over there at Tuscaloosa right now. Current recruiting class is falling apart, losing four- and five-star players left and right with the recruiting class. The transfer portal is now full of Alabama talent. That roster is under siege right now. And the current roster, at last check, has lost 20 players to the transfer portal. And it's got me wondering, okay, who's next? It's going to be quarterback Jalen Milrow. And I've got some sources telling me that Alabama mascot Big Al could be next to leave Tuscaloosa. You know, Georgia and Alabama play in Tuscaloosa September the 28th. A lot of people already looking forward to that matchup. Ran across the fact that the Bulldogs are currently a three-point favorite in the game. And immediately when I saw that, I was thinking, those gamblers out there, you might want to jump on it. Because by March, the dogs could be favored by 14-plus. And did you know Coach Smart is now 1-0 against new Alabama coach Kalen DeBoer. Kirby beat DeBoer in the hiring of Travaris Robinson. DeBoer offered T-Rob the defensive coordinator job on his new staff at Alabama. And T-Rob gave him the stiff arm. Coach Smart hired him as the co-defensive coordinator and safeties coach. And uh, Coach Robinson is an ace recruiter specializing in the Miami area where there's a ton of high school talent coming out of every year. And DeBoer's got zero contacts in the Deep South. He desperately needed Travaris Robinson on his coaching staff as a coach and a recruiter. And as we record episode this episode 91 of Bucks Beat, Alabama's top defender, freshman defensive back Caleb Downs, has just entered the transfer portal. And I'm sure he's got to be considering a move back home to Georgia to play for T-Rob and the Bulldogs. So keep an eye on that. A down-stark safety combo could be the best in Georgia history. As I look back through the years at what Georgia's had at the safety position, the best I could come up with at safety, as far as a combination goes, would be Thomas Davis and Greg Blue. Those dudes, man, they laid the hammer down back in their day. And Downs and Starks might be the best ever. And you mix in five-star signee K.J. Bolden, that would give this uh, Georgia defense three ultra-talented safeties. Man, that would be amazing. Now, before Cole Kubelik joins me in just a moment, I wanted to drop my 2024 college football preseason top five. So here we go. Under consideration, not making the top five, but we considered Alabama. 
that roster, man, it is being reduced very quickly right now. Uh, Ole Miss and Utah under consideration. Let's start at number five. I've got the Buckeyes of Ohio State checking in at number five. Loaded with talent. They've done a good job on the recruiting trail, stockpiling talent, class after class. And they're going to have a new quarterback this coming season. Will Howard comes in. It'll be interesting to see how that works out with Will Howard running that Buckeye offense. Number four, got the Oregon Ducks. Dan Lanning loaded up with talent just like Ohio State. They recruited at a high level multiple years. They'll have Dylan Gabriel coming in at quarterback, and he's going to fit that Oregon offensive system uh, very well. Dylan Gabriel, very experienced. A lot of good quick decisions. I, I love what he brings to the table for Oregon. Number three, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Notre Dame expected to have one of the top defenses in the upcoming season, and they have brought in Duke quarterback Riley Leonard, who really made a name for himself this past season at Duke, playing at a high level until he had an injury late in the season that slowed him down. He should fit in nicely at Notre Dame running that Fighting Irish offense. So I've got... Notre Dame, number three. I've got Texas, number two. Quinn Ewers is back at quarterback. They've added some big play talent at wide receiver. Their offensive line, defensive line, very strong on the line of scrimmage. Sark has got them going on. Longhorns are back, man. I've got Texas, number two. Number one, Georgia. Carson Beck returning. Roster loaded up with talent, weapons everywhere. Line of scrimmage is strong, well-coached. Bulldogs 42-2 and two in the last three seasons. So I've got Georgia number one coming into this 24 season. Dogs on top and should be selected by the college football playoff committee with the 12-team format kicking off this year. Still a little upset about Georgia getting left out this past season. But I'm going to save those complaints and that frustration for another day. Joining me now on the Hobson and Hobson Newsmaker line, Cole Kubelik, ESPN, SEC Network, college football analyst, co-host over the Mac and Cube show and at Jocks in Birmingham and former Auburn Tiger center and captain. Cole, we appreciate you making time for us here on the Blue Show today. Hey, Buck, I appreciate you having me. Good to catch up again. Hey, so, uh, you know, the big story there, Alabama's got him a new coach with Nick Saban retiring and a lot of talk about uh, DeBoer getting the job coming down from Washington. I I gave it a, a B grade. I, I was, you know, this guy's an outstanding football coach. He's won everywhere he's been. Uh, you seem like you're very positive on this. What kind of grade would you give Alabama for this hire? I would give it an A just because I've, I've had a chance to be around Coach DeBoer uh, a couple of times in the last year or so. I uh, had the Alamo Bowl last year, spent some time out in Seattle uh, right after the season, and then I was on the call for the Sugar Bowl this year as well uh, for the McAfee Megacast. And I'm just really impressed with him as a person. And then I think when you put the combination of he and Ryan Grubb together, I've had a, I've had multiple conversations with Jay Kaner, his quarterback at Fresno State, uh, with Michael Penix, just about how they operate and, and, and what they do offensively. Uh, these guys won at every level. I, I have a, extra respect for guys that come up from the lower ranks of college football and can still find their ways to be successful as they grow. 
And I understand that there are going to be some concerns, but I mean, hell, Buck, who are they going to bring in that people didn't nitpick and think that there was going to be part of it that wasn't going to work? No You're doubt. not going to be Nick Saban. This isn't the NFL draft. Like, there's no comps. <laughs> you know, Kirby Smart's the closest thing that we got to Nick Saban, and he wasn't coming to Alabama. So there's just there wasn't another guy that you were going to plug in, and everybody collectively was going to say, "Oh yeah, this will work, or this will be great." But based on what Alabama was up against, the timing and the fact that the greatest college football coach we've seen was just stepping down. You're not going to hit. You're not going to check every box that's going to satisfy every single person here. But with what they, with what was out there and what they could realistically get, uh, I don't think Dan Lanning was was a real option personally. I don't think you're going to pay between twenty and thirty million just to talk to a guy. Uh, with where today's things are with the NIL and different things like that, sure. that well can run dry. I mean, it's not it's not Texas or Texas A&M. There's only a couple of schools that I think you look at that fiscally just don't even have to be responsible very small handful how would you Um, describe DeBoer as a head coach uh his philosophy his beliefs I think he's someone who is not going to be square peg round hole offensively they're going to take the strengths of what they have on their roster they're going to mold their offense around that I think he's a guy that relates very well to the players players love playing for him the guys I've spoken to have all had wonderful things to say about just being a part of his facility and I think he's a guy that's going to focus on on that building and on the locker room and the culture and trying to build that and trying to have the strength come from the relationships and the guys wanting to play with and for one another. That's a big part of what he stands for. So um, he's not going to have the same personality as Nick Saban, but I do think from a competitive standpoint, he's right there neck and neck with wanting to win as much as Coach Saban did. You know, my only concerns from the outside looking in would be you know, the whole idea you're coming into the Deep South for the first time, limited contacts. And we had some fun on social media a few days ago. You pointed out that he had already three contacts on that coaching <laughs> staff. And then he's added a retained a couple of guys. So I think the number's at five right now. Uh, my concern would be, you know, no relationships with the coaches in the state of high school coaches in the state of Alabama and, and Georgia and Florida where Alabama's going to go out and recruit. And I'm not – saying he, he won't be able to establish that. Lord, I don't think he's going to pull a Harson and not step foot in some of these high schools. So that was my concern with that. You don't have a concern on that one. He's going to hit the ground running there. No, I think it's fair to have the concern, Buck, absolutely. I mean, we've seen it, – it's, it's, it's kind of odd, though, because we've seen guys that didn't have a lot of ties come in and, and have some success. I mean, Coach Saban didn't have a lot of deep ties to the South when he came to Louisiana – he won a national championship. So, But then we've seen other guys that we thought were going to be home runs because of how well connected they were to the SEC, and that didn't seemingly work out. So I think it comes down to your personality and your work ethic, and I'm, I'm confident that Kalen DeBoer checks both of those boxes. Um, I think bringing in a lifer in Kane Womack, who's been a head coach in this state, and also been a head coach in Mobile, where we all know there's a boatload of talent in and around that area is going to be of massive benefit. Uh, Maurice Lindquist is a guy that's been in the SEC twice. He's also operated as a head coach. I love a guy that can check his ego and bring in former head coaches and, and have those to be able to bounce off of. And guys you can go to and say, how did you do this? Or how, how did you handle this? I mean, you know, look at Kirby. He's got Bobo. He's got Muschamp, multiple guys on staff that he can walk down the hall and say, you like us doing this this way? Or they can go to him and say, hey, we tried it that way. It didn't work. I, I might reconsider. I just think there's a ton of extra value in that. And obviously, Kalen DeBoer is looking that direction as well. So it's not going to be perfect. But I also think it's a little bit ignorant with some of these high school coaches in the state of Alabama 
acting like they're not going to want to have a relationship with the head coach at Alabama. I mean, what <laughs> what kind of head coach are you in this state if you're trying to sort put up some sort of stiff arm to not allow the head coach of the Crimson Tide to come to your school and recruit your kids? So I don't think there'll be any issue from a work ethic perspective. Is he going to have to put more work into it to develop those relationships? Absolutely he is. I don't think he's afraid of that. And I also think that this new role for Nick Saban could help offset that just a little bit, something that I just, Buck, honestly did not think would take place. Talking college football with Cole Kubelik. He uh, joins us on the Hobson and Hobson Newsmaker line. Do you think Lanning uh, and, you know, Sarkeesian, Norville, uh, those guys were scared off about, you know, the old rule of you don't want to follow a legendary coach? I just don't think coaches think that way, honestly. Um, I think I think you have to have a certain amount of confidence mixed with a little bit of arrogance and maybe it mixed with just a little bit of ego because you have to believe that your way will work. I don't think these guys take these jobs if they don't believe that. Um, otherwise, even if it's not directly following a legend, most of these coaches wouldn't take any of these jobs because of the difficulties – and what other people had done. So I, I think it's – you look at the resources available. You look at who's going to be behind it. You look at past success, and you view that as, well, this can be done there. Therefore, we know we can get to that. What can I do to take it to the next level? And I don't think Kalen DeBoer is going to go to the next level based off of what Nick Saban did, but I think there's a chance he could get close. And if he gets close, then that's going to be deemed as a success by just about everybody. So I just think that there's a lot of folks that, that don't view it that way. Um, I think the landing buyout was an issue. I think Dan Lanning's a star. I mean, we met with him. I think it was Vanderbilt. Georgia had Vandy in Nashville. He walks in the meeting room in the hotel. And, I mean, after five minutes of the first time I'd ever been around him, I was like, you can just go ahead and put this on the board. Like, this guy's <laughs> going to be one of the best in the country one day. Um you know, I, I think Sark got a raise. Norvell got a raise. Those guys are in pretty good spots right now. Um, I mean, I think you could probably draw a lot of comparisons and say that things are pretty even between Alabama and Texas right this very second. Bama struggles a little bit with NIL. Texas way ahead of the game in NIL. Uh, those are two of the most powerful programs in the history of college football. So I, I think that if you were looking at the top of the list – Kalen DeBoer was either 1 or 1A, 1B. He was going to be one of the guys that they heavily vetted to get this job, and Greg Byrne went and got his guy. A handful of years ago, sort of a no-brainer. Everybody thought, okay, if Saban, when he walks, Dabo Sweeney's going to step in. Gosh, I I barely heard his name mentioned here. What happened? Yeah, I don't think he was a real candidate. I, I think that with the way that he's handled some things, he rubbed some people in Tuscaloosa the wrong way. I think there are a lot of folks around that, that athletic department that understand where college athletics, specifically where college football is going. And, and Dabo doesn't really seem to be open to that. And, and I'm not one of these guys that's going to tell you that he's never talked to somebody about the portal. I know that's not real. But the results do tell you a story that's different than what a lot of other college coaches are doing. And I, I, Greg Byrne is a very forward-thinking athletic director. Um, he's not someone that is stuck in the times. He understands the landscape is changing. He tries to get ahead of that curve on a regular basis. And the Alabama was fortunate to have him. And I think that's one thing that probably stuck out there is he sat back and said, listen, if we're going to, if we're going to continue any kind of the success that coach Saban built here, it's not going to be being stubborn. It's not going to be, you know, stomping our foot and putting our fist down on the podium and saying, we don't like where college athletics is right now. We got to change the times. We got to move ahead. 
and find out a way to get, you know, be, be first with the next thing that changes here. And I think that was something that a lot of folks over there in Tuscaloosa looked at and said, we're not sure that that's going to continue to be successful with that model. Lane Kiffin with too much baggage. I know McElroy saying he burned too many bridges to be considered for this. I don't think it was ever a real option, no. Uh, I think that there, there are folks there that have a lot of clout, a lot of power that did not want that to take place. What about Georgia Kirby swooping in and uh, grabbing uh, Coach Robinson, bringing him aboard? That looks like a coup over here at Georgia. T-Rob is an elite recruiter. It's a big loss for Alabama. You look at his resume now, it's going to have Alabama, Georgia, Florida, Auburn, South Carolina. He's going to be in a great spot to get a head coaching job. I think his next move will be that. I think he will begin to have some real conversations about being a head coach in the next few years. He'll have Kirby behind him. I think Coach Saban would give that his blessing. He'll have obviously have Muschamp behind him, who, who has, I think, tried to help him with that before. But you're bringing in an elite recruiter. You're bringing in a great secondary coach. I know that Glenn Schumann is going to call the defense. But I believe, I personally believe T-Rob had a heavy hand in the play calling for Alabama's defense this past year. So he's more than capable of doing it. And now he's been with Will. He's been with Nick and Kevin Steele. So he has all the variations of that defense. And what it is, Glenn Schumann's kind of put his fingerprints on it in a little bit of a different way, just like Dan Lanning did. So he'll be able to go learn under him and have a couple more intricacies that he can add. He's great helping out with punt returners as well. It's something that nobody really talks about. But he brings an added benefit there. He's got a direct pipeline to South Florida. So I think it's a massive get for Kirby Smart. It's definitely not one that he needed. I mean, just what Georgia needs, right? Another elite recruiter. Uh, but to be able to go get a guy like that from Alabama is a, is a massive game for Kirby Smart and the Georgia Bulldogs. Cole, was it a, a surprise to you as we reflect back to the college football playoff committee and the final four teams that were selected that – there was very little discussion, in fact, on the college football playoff show when they revealed the four teams. There was absolutely zero discussion on Georgia falling out of the top four. Was that a surprise to you? I, I did radio for the SEC championship game, Buck, and when I walked out of the building, I can remember I saw I saw Greg Sankey, and actually I, I shared a couple of minutes with Coach Saban after the game as well, and I told them both. I said, I think both these teams are getting in. Because when you watched that game and you knew what those two teams had done this season, it was hard not to imagine that those weren't two of the best teams in college football. Um, and you look at some of the self-inflicted wounds that Georgia had in that game and still being competitive in that game, had multiple opportunities. You just thought to yourself, well, if Alabama's going to get past them this way and Alabama's in, they're the SEC champions, you probably think to yourself that Georgia's one of the four best teams as well. Now, all that being said, I don't know how it all works out, if that's the case, but my understanding has always been the best four teams. That doesn't automatically include conference champions. That doesn't automatically include undefeated. You know, All those people that want to kick down the door for Florida State to get in, I didn't see them crying for Central Florida a couple of years ago. Yeah, you know, I didn't see them kicking the door down in 2004 when Auburn went undefeated, and saying that they should have been in. So, it's 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 funny how some people pick and choose their battles, because we've had some other undefeated teams that not a lot of people have talked about. I mean, do all those people that say the undefeated conference champs should definitely get in? Are they sitting there saying that yeah, it was the right move to put Cincinnati in a couple of years ago? Because that didn't feel right. So I understand there was never going to be enough room for all the teams that a lot of people thought should have been in. 
But, Buck, it was very difficult for me to wrap my head around the fact that those two teams were not two of the four best teams in America when I walked away from Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Hugh Freeze going to be fine at Auburn? He's got some coaching things he's got to work through. And, you know, the quarterback situation is going to be interesting. I, I do think year two, Peyton Thorne has a chance to take a step. He got a lot better with some of the read plays, RPOs, zone read stuff. They did a good job calling some things in a different way later in the year. But they need pass catchers in a major way. They need still need a little help on the offensive line. They need big help on the defensive line. And they had a couple of big losses there, both through the portal and to the NFL. So uh, that roster is just not where it needs to be to be competitive with the likes of Alabama, Georgia, LSU right now. Um, and then I want to see how some of this coaching stuff works out. I thought Ron Roberts did a good job this year. That's a tough loss. You know, now you're going to get Derek Nix from Ole Miss, and, you know, he apparently has to be the play caller contractually. We'll see how that works out with you already saying he was going to call plays this year. It's, I, I don't think it's going to be smooth sailing. There's a lot of work to be done there at Auburn. There's no doubt about that. Why'd Cadillac leave? It's just probably time for that to happen, Buck. Yeah. So, uh, my center at Georgia, Hugh Nall, was your offensive line coach at Auburn, uh, one of your offensive line coaches. And Coach Nall was one of the toughest dudes ever, uh, you know, dressed out and had a chance to play with. Totally loved him. So, I tell him, hey, I got Cole coming on the show. And uh, wondering if you could give me a little uh, little storyline. He said, ask him about that cigar game down in Baton Rouge. <laughs> I still can't tell for that game from LSU fans. Um, it was one of the coolest things that that staff, you know, Tuberville, Eddie Grand, Hugh Nall, Joe Panunzio, Noel Mazzoni did before that season. They said, listen, you know, certain games are going to be cigar games. Alabama, obviously, Georgia, obviously, LSU. I think for them, Ole Miss was one. And when we win those games, we're going to smoke cigars in the locker room. <laughs> and this is kind of before, you know, it was – you know, Alabama, Tennessee, everybody smokes cigars after games and all that. So we go down there, and, I mean, we just drum LSU. Uh, Ronnie Daniels, I think, had like seven catches for 211 yards or something. And it was – it's the fewest people I've seen in the stands at Tiger Stadium in the fourth quarter of a game ever. And after the game, they, we go in. Joe Panunzio's got these boxes of cigars, and we start grabbing them, and they hand them out. And, of course, we're lighting them up, smoking them. We go back on the field after the game, smoking them, taking pictures, and – uh, we go into our team meeting on Sunday, and they had a guy named E. Hawley that was like, he, today he would be called, you know, director of player personnel or one of those deals. And I think he was Tuberville's high school coach, and he kind of helped manage and run everything. And he comes around, and he slams these sheets of paper on all of our desks there in the team meeting room. And it's like a number two pencil and a piece of paper. And we all had to sign the piece of paper saying that a dollar thirty-five was going to be taken out of our meal money that week to pay back the cigars because the NCAA <laughs> was upset that they gave us cigars after the game. And here we are. We got an Alabama receiver transferring to Texas driving a Lamborghini. Yeah. But we had to pay a dollar thirty-five for our cigars back. Well, those look like $20 cigars to me. Cole, keep up the great work, man. We appreciate you. But can you confirm or deny Hugh Nall's story that during a basketball game, he rushed out on the court and either almost or actually did fight an opposing player at a Georgia basketball game? With a broken leg and crutches. <laughs> can you imagine if that's today, if today's day and age, if that takes place? Well, Hugh's one of a kind, man. Hey, There's we no appreciate doubt. you. Thanks for coming on, Cole. Appreciate you, Buck. Thanks for having me. 
Kubelik, one of my favorite analysts out there. He does a great job. All right, wanted to talk Falcons on this podcast, so we'll do that right now. Falcons are currently busy searching for their next head coach. Mr. Blank has entertained the great Bill Belichick on his super yacht. And as we record today, uh, the Falcons' news just coming down have followed up, uh, a, uh, scheduled a follow-up interview with Coach Belichick that's expected to go down this weekend and uh, doing a little research for both the podcast and the show i ran across this i thought it was really interesting as coach belichick has two criteria for his next coaching job number one he's looking for a talented roster doesn't every coach so he's looking for some talent on both sides of the ball number two he's looking for an underachieving team and that goes without saying, typically, when you fire your head coach, you've been underachieving. And so Coach Belichick has those two criteria, which I think would fit both the Falcons and the Chargers, two teams, uh, two jobs that he's looking at right now. And when you compare the two, Chargers with some really good talent, both sides of the ball, they've got a franchise quarterback in Justin Herbert, that is ready uh, to play his best football, and they don't have a general manager currently. So I'm sure Bill Belichick is checking that out and thinking, okay, I got me a quarterback. I've got some talent. I'm going to have uh, a full say in personnel decisions with the L.A. Chargers. It's probably why everybody's looking at that job right now. Falcons, they don't have a quarterback. I'm sure Coach Belichick will be talking about that in the second round interview that he's having this weekend talking about the quarterback situation falcons do have a general manager in fact they've got like four ex-general managers in their front office so i think that's sort of a bad thing too many too many opinions in there but uh, falcons do have some talent on both sides of the ball so they would certainly qualify uh, with those two criteria criteria that Belichick has I'm going to add a third one and that is the quarterback situation and you look at the Falcons quarterback situation right now they they're really moving forward have three alternatives and the first alternative not sure how you feel about it but uh, the Falcons with an opportunity they've got the eighth pick in the first round got the Chicago Bears have the Charlotte Panthers first pick in the draft and so there's a lot of talk out there right now about the Bears trading that that first uh, or trading Justin Fields, their current quarterback, and then drafting Caleb Williams as their new quarterback with that first pick in the draft. So that would be the something I'm sure the Falcons are looking into. Got a chance to move from the eighth pick to the first pick and take Justin Fields, a, a guy that upped his performance level at the end of this season and is a, a multi-dimensional quarterback with uh, hopefully his best football ahead of him. Metro Atlanta kid, too, as you know. Alternative number two with the Falcons quarterback situation would be to draft a quarterback with the eighth pick of that first round. Or they could move up into the top five and draft a quarterback. You got Caleb Williams, Probably going number one to the Bears. Uh, number two, you got Drake May expected to go in the first three picks. And then you've got the Heisman Trophy winner out of LSU, Jaden Daniels. Could be there at number eight. 
Don't know if the Falcons, if they focused on acquiring Jaden Daniels, they might want to move up into the top five to be able to really secure that uh, player in Jaden Daniels. Uh, alternative number three is to sign a veteran quarterback. So who's available? Well, you could sign Kirk Cousins, the former Minnesota Vikings quarterback, as a free agent. You could do a deal with the Denver Broncos and get Russell Wilson in here. Would be a, another alternative there. So the Falcons, that's their quarterback situation. And, you know, more on what Belichick is, is doing and the Falcons are doing with this follow-up interview this expected to go down. I'm sure there'll be a deeper conversation with Rich McKay into the Falcons overall roster, what that looks like, what their quarterback plan is, like we just spoke about. I'm sure the Falcons want to know, okay, Bill, who would be your offensive coordinator? Who would be your defensive coordinator? Uh, Bill's probably wondering where his parking spot would be and if he's going to get a corner office that uh, is really impressive. Things like that, you know, and I continue to get people saying, Blue, what would you do? I was in Publix last night and had somebody, a football fan, ask me that. Blue, what would you do if, if you were running the Falcons? Uh, who would you hire and who would you bring in? Look, if it was up to me, I would hire Todd Munkin, the offensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens, former Georgia offensive coordinator. Made Stetson Bennett a star. Helped win Georgia back-to-back -back national championships. And look what he's done for Lamar Jackson with the Ravens this season. Looks like Lamar is hands down going to be voted the most valuable player in the National Football League this year. Munkin really behind his uh, performance level, just going through the roof this year with the job Munkin did. Game planning, play calling coaching up Lamar Jackson and you know I'm one of those guys that like to see uh would like to see a hire that you're going to uh, present the job or hire a guy that's got some head coaching experience a lot of these dudes the Falcons are interviewing their coordinators they've never been a head coach at the youth league level the middle school level high school level college level They've never been a head coach in their life. I would prefer the coach would have some head coaching experience, and Todd Monken has some of that at the college level. He's innovative as far as your offense goes, tough enough to lead an NFL team. Yeah, I'll tell you what, if it was up to me, I'd be getting Todd Monken in here, allowing him to select what quarterback to invest in in the draft giving Fontenot the power to move up and get this guy. That's what I would be doing. But that's just me. I don't believe that's going to happen. They have not even scheduled an interview with Todd Monken, who is interviewing with the Chargers and a couple of other teams, by the way. Now, obviously, Blank and McKay would love to make a big splash. That's what they're up to with Belichick and interviewing Jim Harbaugh. But uh, we'll have to wait and see if that's going to happen. Good luck with that. That's going to do it for Episode 91 of Bucks Beat. Thanks for listening. Hope to drop Episode 92 coming up soon.
In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps $5 minimum balance required. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. Hey, Alana, Hudson Mason here. Is a new roof still on your to-do list, but you've been delayed due to rising home service costs? Well, here's a fantastic solution from Accent Roofing Service. Zero down, zero payments, and zero interest for a full year. That's right. You can get your new roof now and start paying next year. Act quickly because Accent's incredible offer of zero, zero, zero with a 12-month deferred payment option for a lifetime roof system isn't going to last long. Contact the craftsman at Accent Roofing Service today, accentroofingservice.com. 